Hello and welcome to Radio Nightline. I'll be taking you all the way through the night to the dawn. That's spookily authentic. <laughs> Have you done this you before? Know. Hello, Ian. Um, I'm, 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 I've had a bad time recently. And, uh, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, um, I've, I've, I've managed to get an entire packet of fish fingers stuck up my arsehole. Oh, I, it's I, horrible when I, that I don't happens, know, isn't yeah. it? We've really just got to wait for nature to take its course. Uh, well, I thought uh, if it defrosted... I might come out easier, but I'm in quite a lot of pain, and um, I was, you know, wondering if any of your listeners had any tips. Well, let's put that out there. Should he wait for defrost the fish fingers or just remove the, <laughs> remove the fish from his orifice as soon as possible? Here's Phil Collins. <laughs> <laughs> but what if there is no tomorrow? There wasn't one today. Welcome to episode 115 of the Nerdfest podcast. This week's nerds are Ian Mayer, Peter Johnson, John Harbin, and I'm Hazel Chandler. On today's show, it is time to bluff and buff and try not to blow our houses down as we try and catch each other out with both true and made up nerdy facts. Plus, I have a cryptic quiz to cap the episode off. Let's start the show. You saying we're three little pigs? <laughs> yep, that was that was the inference. Yeah. Yes, I'm happy with that. I'm, I'm straw pig. I'm really lazy. Well, the two straw brick brick. Well, no, brick was a sensible pig. Mm-hmm. What did the so thing? that's me? <laughs> sticks, right? Straw sticks and bricks. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I'm the wolf. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, has, has anybody been watching Star Trek Discovery? Not no. anymore. No, because it got really dull and boring and I stopped watching it. Mm-hmm. And Saturday afternoon I was quite bored and there was nobody in the house and I was flicking through Paramount Plus, which is the, an, the another new streaming service mm-hmm. because we're quite short of them at the moment. Um, and I just started watching the next episode and it turned out I stopped watching it just before it got good again, which was incredibly frustrating. How good is it? Um, it's still not brilliant, but it, it, <laughs> it, it's it's better than it was. There was one episode that I enjoyed where the the computer now apparently is sentient, and there was some discussion about what that would mean. And it reminded me of the probably the best Next Generation episode, was the Measure of a Man, where Data's on trial. Mm. It had some nice little philosophical arguments and things like that. That's that sounds proper trekky. The episode after was a complete tonal mess, but you know, one out of two. <laughs> not a great hit right? <laughs> I might be back on board it seems a little bit more fun as well like it's uh, lightened up a little bit and it starred David Cronenberg mm. pass <laughs> he doesn't there's no wound fucking oh minimal <laughs> 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 that's, a, that's a minimum threshold for me. <laughs> no wound fucking. Minimum threshold below that, you're not interested. You know, you know how your internet browser like remembers, like if you go to a particular page, like you type in like IMDb and it fills in. No, no, rest. no, it doesn't. I, I make very, very sure to clear mine on a daily basis. <laughs> well, I don't. And my IMDb always goes to the page of David Cronenberg. It's like I must have looked at it years back. It's just stuck And there. I have never changed it. And I'm fine with that. That's mm-hmm. okay. Cronenberg's all right. Yeah, thank you. And where were you last episode where I was pilloried for my love of Cronenberg? 
I must admit the uh, the new Cronenberg film sounds actually really right up my street, weirdly. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm all over that. If you live in a very weird street, <laughs> <laughs> all over my street, which is somehow growing through my body. Yeah. <laughs> going back to Discovery, I do remember the episode you were talking about because I remember mm. going, "Isn't that David Cronenberg?" He's been in a few. I think he's like a semi regular this season. But what I can tell you is it gets worse again. <laughs> oh. <laughs> What's the bail point on TV series, particularly when you've been invested in them for a long time? Mm. Mm-hmm. I find I don't actively bail on a series. I just realise I've not watched it for months and there's like 10 unplayed episodes. We actually, both of us, look at each other and go, do we really want to watch another one of these? And go, nah. I'm not sure I've consciously done that. Like The Walking Dead just drifted from my consciousness and then I realised I've not watched an episode for two years. It's a wealth of riches, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's like when you mm-hmm. buy one of those multi-pack of dips and have it in the fridge and you realise you haven't had like, the caramelised onion hummus. It's not that you've been avoiding it, it's just that there's been other dips. A metaphor yeah. for life. <laughs> I've done that recently with uh, The Essex Serpent on mm. Apple+. Plus. I think there's only about eight or nine episodes in total and we've watched seven of them but we can't be bothered to see how it ends <laughs> because we're just like... That is a terrible <laughs> indictment. <laughs> I remember renting Mandy and live tweeting it to the group and I got like 25 minutes from the end and I could not bring myself to <laughs> Again, I don't know what 25 minutes from the end was the tipping point, <laughs> but it does get worse. <laughs> not in a Star Trek discovery way. Strange New Worlds, I think I watched one episode of and enjoyed it. Yeah, it's that's pretty good. But didn't enjoy it enough to actually go back and watch any more of them. From what I've heard, that does sound like the new Trek I want, but mm-hmm. I cannot bring myself to even flirt with another streaming service. I'm just <laughs> done. I'm done at this point. Am I the only one of us who was watching TV where there were four TV channels, or is that all within your No, I remember, I remember Channel 5 launching with the Spice Girls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Okay, so you must remember when there were only four, because that was the day before. Yep. <laughs> I, I remember when there was only three. I remember Channel 4 launching and watching Countdown. That was, uh, yeah. Yeah, it just played that ba, 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 ba yeah. for mm-hmm. about three hours yeah. before it started. I remember, I remember yeah. that as well. And the computer graphics of the Channel 4 logo was quite impressive. Wasn't there something a... like he was the composer and made most money that year from Broadcast TV because they used that little four-note theme so often I don't know. Year. I hope that's true. That sounds nice. <laughs> I do remember when we first got Sky, I think I was about 12, 11 or 12 at the time, and we were like, what? Our mind is blown. 20 channels? What? And it was free when it started for the first year or two. It was, yeah. Um, I remember we got Sky, and then BSB went under or got taken over by Sky, and then suddenly we had two movie channels, and that was, like, incredibly exciting. (laughs) Now there's a dedicated Harry Potter movie channel. Louise took her nephew to Harry Potter World this weekend and mm. says it's excellent. Loads of good pictures. Yeah. It's not a theme park. No. And it's very specifically not a theme park um, because they sold the theme park rights to Universal in America. Mm. So they're not allowed to have a Harry Potter theme park. It's a very interactive museum. Mm-hmm. I've been a couple of times taking my niece and nephew. And Harry had a wonderful time. He had a very good time, yes. He, was he learned very, very one excited. choreography, I saw. He did, and he, he rode on a broomstick, and he bankrupted our family members by paying a obscene amount for butter beers and <laughs> plastic wands. And it is incredibly expensive. Mm-hmm. Was he harassed by a ghost in the toilet? <laughs> <laughs> he was, yes. Okay. I mean, it was me in a sheet, but. <laughs> <laughs> Ian, we're a good uh, five or ten minutes into the podcast, and you've not mentioned Godzilla. What is happening? 
Uh, well, I'm thinking about it. I mean, so yeah, Godzilla, <laughs> another Godzilla is filming. Uh, Godzilla vs. Isn't Kong. that always the case? Isn't, um, it, isn't it news if there isn't one filming? <laughs> so what they call the MonsterVerse, which is like the current Western Godzilla films, are doing surprisingly well. These I mean, are the King Kong Godzilla. Well, like the Kong, yeah, the Kong mm-hmm. Godzilla ones, and they've not reviewed great, <laughs> but they seem to be uh, gaining a lot of traction. And like the the sort of hardcore Godzilla fandom have really gone for them, and mm-hmm. they, you know, they they love them. I really enjoy Skull Island. Mm. Skull Island is great. Mm-hmm. So you spend $190 million, you know what I mean? It's super vivid. It doesn't back out of anything. Helicopters fly through a storm and a monkey's throwing twigs at them in two minutes. That's what you want from a monster <laughs> film. It's, uh, yeah, it's quite impressive. But yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing uh, more Monsterverse films. So what um, premise has Godzilla found him or herself in this time? We don't know. There's mm. lots of speculation that it's going to mine some of the weirder Toho you know, Godzilla monsters. Weirder than a giant moth. I'm hoping for Biolante, who is a clone of spiced together DNA of Godzilla, a rosebush, and <laughs> the scientist who makes its daughter. I see. Oh. I assume Cronenberg's directing this. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the original Godzilla versus Biolante, which is from like 1980. I rewatched it recently and oh my God, it's baffling. <laughs> it really is. But yeah, like proper kind of weird horrorish. Uh, Godzilla. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm. That's what I'm after. What's your favourite Godzilla film? Uh, my favourite Godzilla is probably the original 1954 Godzilla. Though I do really love Shin Godzilla, which is um, a more recent kind of serious outtake. But of the really silly Toho ones, it's uh, Godzilla, Mothra, King Ghidorah, Giant Monsters All Out Attack, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is way better than that title sounds and gives you everything you want from a Godzilla film. And the worst. Uh, oh, there's tons of stinkers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of them are terrible. Shan Godzilla. <laughs> mm, we watched Destroy All Monsters, which we enjoyed. And then I said, shall we watch some more? And we said, is that the best one? And I said, it's considered one of the best ones. And she said, then we don't really need to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I can't really disagree with that. <laughs> All right, so this is our buff or bluff quiz. So we've all got three facts, um, but one of them is made up. Ian, why don't you dazzle us with your bluffing abilities? On the last pod, you guys were talking about the San Diego Comic Con 2022, and uh, it was very interesting for me to listen to, and I really enjoyed it. Now, I love Marvel stuff. Although I hate it as well, it seems. But no, I, I do. You, you never mentioned it. Yeah, I, I, I never, I never talk about Marvel stuff all the time. So, well, I was a bit surprised at how little Marvel showed. Mm. Like, I thought they were going to turn it with more stuff. We know more stuff is filmed. We've seen nothing of like the Halloween special that's coming out this year, which is crazy. They've got their own thing soon, haven't they? Yeah. So, D twenty three, the Disney Expo is uh, September, so we, we won't have long to wait. But I'm actually expecting like a ton of stuff being announced there. The standout for all of us, I think, was the uh, Black Panther 2 mm-hmm. Wakanda Forever trailer, which was amazing and introduced uh, Namor to the MCU. Now, Namor is a prince of Atlantis. He's the first mutant in uh, kind of Marvel continuity. And it seems to be a really interesting take. Like they've gone like an Aztec angle in the MCU. He's from uh, Talacan, not um, Atlantis, which is apparently um, an Aztec myth, like an, an Aztec paradise ruled over by a, a rain deity. And it kind of looks like a really cool underwater setting. It's nicely stylized. It doesn't look kind of garish like Aquaman does. And I was really impressed with it. 
Uh, Namor here is going to be played by uh, Tenoch Huerta, um, a Mexican guy who's in Narcos, who looks super cool. And I think we're going to get a great and interesting character because he's always an anti-hero. He's never like quite on side. He's done a bunch of good stuff, but he's, he's kind, of, kind of hates the surface world. And this has been part of his character throughout. Namor is one of the very earliest Marvel characters. Why is his name Roman backwards? I don't know, right. actually. Okay. That's a really... I, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe that is a thing, but I've never, never let that up. But, um, so he's one of the very earliest ones. And there's a few characters from like... what's uh, Comics historians call it the golden age of comics, which is comics from Action Comics number one, which was the first Superman comics, to when the comics code was introduced and things about comics changed. But there's a few of these characters that have made it even into the MCU. Captain America is a pre-Marvel Marvel character, as is Bucky. So it's kind of amazing, really. These characters that go back to like the 30s and 40s, some of them are in the MCU. So I'm going to talk about three characters who are in the MCU who have that origin in these characters. And you've got to tell me which one's wrong. A lot of them have changed quite a bit. Something like Captain America is identical almost how he was but some it's almost like they've just used the name or some of the concept mm. and here we go gamora you know from mm. guns of the galaxy well gamora was originally daisy amazing grace from daring comics number seven which was published in 1941 so this character was a uh, redhead daisy grace is a nurse at new york general hospital on a walk through central park she saves an old man from being run down by a horse and cart he reveals himself as an ancient wizard and thanks by giving her the Necklace of Gamora, a magical piece of jewellery that allows her to fly, converse with birds and trees, and create flowers. The amazing Gamora, she's called, solves crimes by getting tips from the flora and fauna around her. Uh, she foils things like poachers, and in one time, a gang of <laughs> kangaroos kidnapping show dogs. But this is a comic from the 40s. So, is that one right? We'll see. Black Widow, the original Black Widow. Clairvoyant, she was called. <laughs> from Mystic Comics 4 in 1940. Clairvoyant is a spirit medium who communicates with the dead through supernatural means. While serving a family named the Varglas, she is possessed by Satan to put a curse on them. James, a member of that family, survives the subsequent car crash provoked by the spell, and upon returning to Claire's quarters, guns her down. Voyant's soul goes to hell, where Satan dresses her in a Black Widow costume and gives her the power to kill with a single touch of her fingers to the head, which leaves the Black Widow brand. Uh, she has other mystical tricks, and Satan, who gives these powers, who was daringly portrayed as nude at the time, sends her back to Earth to avenge her death. And finally, we have Vision. We know Vision from uh, mm -hmm. the Avengers, Infinite War, and so on. Now, Vision was originally called Arrakis, and he was in Marvel Mystery Comics 13, which again is from 1940. So Arrakis is an alien law enforcement officer from a dimension called Smoke World. While Arrakis is looking for a suitable place to exile a prisoner, he's accidentally contacted by an Earth scientist. He leaves this prisoner on Jupiter uh, and goes to Earth and accepts an invitation to fight crime. So which two of these mm -hmm. are verbatim what <laughs> the comics were in <laughs> the characters of Night Fight and one of them isn't? Which one is false? You had a lot of fun with that, didn't you? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So the Gamora that you're talking about, mm -hmm. is she not green, the original? Um, she's red-headed. She actually goes mm -hmm. yellow when she's using the powers, so she okay. like looks that way. The costume is completely different. I mean, rescuing show dogs. Not exactly the most... Uh, a gang kidnapping show oh, dogs. a gang kidnapping yeah. show dogs. so like a criminal gang who kidnap dogs. And she gets her hints by talking to 
trees and flowers. Flora and fauna talk to her, yes. I was going to say, that's ridiculous. I guess Swamp Thing had a similar thing. You didn't need yeah. to talk to the animals and uh, plants, and Prince Charles has done it a few times. <laughs> Does he solve crimes as well? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Who give me yeah. this money? Yeah. <laughs> Sam <laughs> Bin Laden. Um, what year was Gamora first? What uh, 1941, she... Daring Mystery mm. Comics number seven. I'd have thought that would be more of like a 60s, 70s sort of thing with the flowers and the trees. And the Black Widow thing sounds quite dark and modern. It sounds like a 90s Vertigo comic. All of these characters do make the occasional modern appearance. How did Vision look originally? Vision looked almost identical to how Vision looks. But he's he's not an android, he's an alien, but it looks very, very similar. The cloak, the like kind of bald bald head face. When did he have the wrestler costume that was... um, a homage to it in WandaVision where he dressed up for Halloween. That is a homage to the, like, the very first look because it was created by Ultron who yeah. became Ultron's downfall in like, the original Ultron storyline. But it looks very similar to that. I'm not sure if it's a wrestler as such, but it's, it is those colours and that uh, look. Yeah, this costume looks very similar. Uh, Arrakis's powers are kind of interesting. He can make duplicates of himself, he can fly, and he can teleport anywhere there is smoke. <laughs> He's like the smoking bank him. He's like, well, that's me fucked. It's, uh, <laughs> I don't know. He's from Smoke World. Yeah. I don't, yeah. So, you know, I guess that makes sense. Um, I'm going to go for Black Widow just because it doesn't sound as period as the other ones. What? Sa- Clairvoyant? The, uh, the yeah. satanic, mm. <laughs> satanic possessed. And mystical. also the I mean, clairvoyant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> A bit on the nose, isn't that? Because they're normally quite subtle now <laughs> with the, the names. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to pick Vision. Again, feels more modern than... I don't know when the Silver Surfer goes back to. Uh, 60s, it's not. Silver Surfer premiered in... It's it's maybe like Fantastic Four number 12. It's one of the sort of first run of Fantastic Four. Yeah, I'll stick with Vision. Okay. I'm going to go for Gamora. Only because you said 1941, the kind of height of the Second World War, and I just think it's too nice a story for being in the war. I, th- I think it's more kind of 60s and 70s. Tiny bit of trivia. Interestingly, uh, the timely comic characters were in the war before America was. So like yeah. uh, Captain America punched Hitler and the invaders, which kind of all of these were in, have all been um, like name or fought Nazis mm-hmm. like quite a bit, even though he hates the, the surface world, he hates Nazis more. Mm-hmm. There we go. So we have one, we have one, one for each, everyone. Yeah. So one is going to be right. Um, so Vision, Arrakis, that is completely true. This is the one that actually most resembles their sort of current character, mm-hmm. but I never ran across this origin at all. It's completely different. It's more like Martian Manhunter at DC, but he looks almost identical to how he does now. Clairvoyant Black Widow, that is also true. Oh, it's very, <laughs> it's a completely different character to like the super spy, you know, character that, that we all know and love. Although, She'd make an amazing cosplay. It's like a really kind of cool, glamorous outfit with like a big spider on the front. And Gamora made up. There is no uh, Daisy Amazing Grace who um, <laughs> has the power to speak to flora and fauna. But, you know, they really could be. It's, I mean, it's you, not you, far you, out there. You could pitch this. I just did. So <laughs> Marvel, if you're listening, um, I've got uh, an amazing squirrel talking flower creating crime fighter to pitch to you. All right, who's next? Obviously, between the initial shooting of a film and the release of a film, things can change. There's post-production, there's reshoots, there's editing. Pandemics. Pandemics, yeah. Batgirl. Uh, Batgirls, yeah. Lots of things can change. And the film that comes out 
may not be what was originally envisioned. These can be very small changes, as we shall see. They can be very big changes. Here are three changes that were made to films away from the original intention. The first of these is Caligula, the Roman epic starring Malcolm McDowell, uh, Peter O'Toole, John Gilgood and Helen Mirren and Malcolm McDowell, lots of famous stars, telling the debauched tale of the third ruler of the Roman Emperor who made his horses consort and ruled over Rome with an iron fist. This was a big historical drama written by Gore Vidal and financed by Bob Guccione, the owner of Penthouse magazine. So the film was shot, and as Bob Guccione watched the film, whilst there was some nudity, there was not what he wanted in there as the owner of Penthouse. So unbeknown to the stars, the director and the writer, he brought a load of Penthouse pets over from his magazine, filmed them having hardcore pornographic sex scenes on the set on a night, and subsequently spliced them into the film before its release. Malcolm McDowell and Helen Mirren were horrified, as was the writer and the director. John Gilgood apparently loved it (laughs) (laughs) and said that he saw it three times in the cinema. (laughs) Number two, for its Japanese release, Inside Out removed broccoli. Removed scenes involving broccoli. Would you like to tell us why? No. (laughs) (laughs) Would you like the reason why? Yes, please. <laughs> now we're good. Um, so the the reason is that the baby character in Inside Out is forced to eat broccoli and mm. cries and says, no, I don't like broccoli, blah, 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 blah. In Japan, children love broccoli. So the idea of having to force feed a child broccoli made no sense to a Japanese audience and they replaced it with a pepper. So did they have to re-render everything with a different object? Yes, they, they replaced it with a cayenne bell pepper. Because obviously feeding an infant a spicy pepper is more unpleasant than force feeding them broccoli. Right. Number three, okay. um, Bull. The character played by Robert De Niro. Jake Clamont. When he retired from boxing, had kind of a second life as a raconteur, stand-up comedian, storyteller. Hmm. So the film opens with Jake LaMotta backstage in a nightclub about to go on. We then flashback to his entire career and go back at the end to him about to walk on stage. That wasn't the original structure. Mike Scott says he filmed about 45 minutes of Robert De Niro doing stand-up in character. Oh, no. <laughs> like telling the story. And originally it was intercut throughout the entire film. So Robert De Niro would be on stage doing a bit. You would then flash back to that bit. And then go back to another like four or five minutes of him doing really cringy like stand up and storytelling, which is what the real life boxer did. He, you know, he, he wasn't great. In the editing room, Thelma Shoemaker, who was the editor, taught Martin Scorsese into cutting all those bits out and putting in more of the boxing footage that he originally didn't use very much of. And she said this boxing footage is much more exciting than Robert De Niro's cringy stand up and basically taught Scorsese into changing the structure of the film into what we see now. So those are my three facts. Do you personally like broccoli? Don't dislike it. I'm having broccoli tomorrow night, I think. I'm having a broccoli also, which is very nice. But I also like bell peppers, so... Okay, but do you like bell peppers or cayenne peppers, which are different things? (laughs) What did he say? He said a cayenne bell pepper. Yeah, okay, uh, it was a bell pepper. Mm. (laughs) It's a... Mm. Yeah. Mm. 
was definitely a bell bell pepper. John is smirking at the moment for our listeners. Yeah, you're correct. A cayenne pepper is very different. The editor of... um, Raging Bull. No, no, no. The magazine... um, Empire? Empire? Penthouse. Penthouse, yeah. (laughs) Bob Guccione. Yes. Is he the same one who was involved in the Tommy Lee and Pamela Anderson lawsuit? Yes, very same. Mm. Okay. He ran it for years. He's a Mm. delightful man. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. So Robert De Niro's quite good at being a bad stand-up. Yeah, like the King, King of Com- Comedy, King of Comedy mm-hmm. is my favourite De Niro performance. Yeah. I think it's like absolutely amazing, and the the stand-up bit he does at the end of that is like a pitch perfect bad, bad good yeah. uh, stand-up show, and you know insanely compelling mm-hmm. because of it. I can imagine changing that structure in the edit, like fl- a flashback structure like mm-hmm. that makes sense. The boxing sequences though are actually pretty complex, so yeah. I can't imagine there being that much more stuff to like throw in to extend those sequences. But you're seeing it extended. Yeah. No, so, but I think it was filmed that way. Like mm-hmm. I you know what I mean? Like I I They're very choreo- yeah, choreographed the way I, they were filmed. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. 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 Peter, do you have any thoughts? I don't know. They're all possible. I do know that Caligula was, you know, very well famous for its orgy scenes. And yeah. you look at the cast list and think, how are these two things possible? <laughs> so I'm very inclined to believe yeah. the first one. I mean, the interesting thing with the first one as well is if you watch it, they put a lot of effort into the Roman, like the realism of it, and everybody looks great. And then suddenly it's 70s porn stars. <laughs> and it's like slap bass. Don't know about the broccoli thing. That's, that's kind of weird. Japan as well, like whether they have that much of a problem of someone eating mm-hmm. not, or not eating their broccoli. The kids love broccoli in Japan. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know how strongly they feel about that. I'm going to pick that one, mainly because of KN Gate. <laughs> <laughs> um, is it Thelma? Thelma Shoemaker. Thelma Shoemaker. I know how influential she was as an, she is, sorry, as an editor and um, she's stayed with Scorsese for mm. a decade, mm. isn't she? Mm-hmm. Like, really, really admires her work and opinion. Um, I believe that one. So I'm going to go for broccoli. Broccoli. Mm-hmm. Ian. Mm. So we've got broccoli. We've got we've got two broccolis. We've got two broccolis. And we're going to get a broccoli full house. So I've seen Malcolm McDowell talk about the Caligill one. So yeah. like quite a bit. His son saw it. And said, Dad, I have seen a pawn with you in it. To which he responded, no, you haven't. <laughs> um, so there's that. Both the other two are plausible. Hmm. <laughs> I, I'm not sure what it tells us, but there's quite a lot of difference in the level of detail on the third one and the second one. Yeah, that is true. Like I say, I'm not sure it's any help whatsoever. But, but... like, there's not much more to say about the second one. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. you know? So there's that. I'm going to go for the third one just for a point of difference. You're going to go for Raging Bull. Yep. You are correct. That was mm. all a lie. What? <sighs> all a terrible, terrible lie. Yeah, Caligula did have porno inserted into it at the <laughs> producer's uh, behest. Behest. It was not available in the UK for a long time in that version, but it's it's now out on our video if you want to take a closer private look. <clears throat> All those people are probably dead now. Or very old. And is that more satisfying than the boys' orgy, which was somewhat oh, wow. disappointing after all the descriptions we'd had of it? 
I think I've been built up too much, I think, and you're going to see this crazy thing you've never seen before, and it was fun. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, not as crazy as it could have been. Yeah. And the the uh, the Inside Out one is also correct. Apparently, Japanese kids fucking love broccoli to the extent that the Japanese audience couldn't comprehend why an infant wouldn't want to eat broccoli, so they had to change it. Hmm. That's a good job. It's uh, all rendered then, isn't it? <laughs> Imagine being the broccoli artist on that film and having had that conversation and you're like really dejected and then there's a phone call and goes, we've got this scene where Batgirl really needs sweet broccoli. (laughs) 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 But the actress is allergic so we need to CGI it for some reason. (laughs) Peter, do you have a buff for us? I do, but it's... As a rule of thumb, they used to say you can assume a movie sequel will usually net around two-thirds of the takings of the previous film. But that's not always the case. In a break from our usual format, I have three pairs of movies and their sequels. I'll give you the global box office for the original movie, according to boxofficemojo.com, then three figures to choose from. Can you pick the correct box office take for the sequel? Oh, it's a pairs game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's almost like Peter didn't have anything. And then last night when we were sat in the pub and we talked about the box office sequels, he thought, I've got, a, I've got one now. Why were we talking about box office sequels? Can't remember. Because I said that's what I'm going to do today. Oh, it's a... Just what, to blow your theory it's out. It's an Ouroboros. It is. <laughs> a Roboros? Ouroboros. Right, okay. What's an Ouroboros? It's the, it's the new uh, prime minister. <laughs> <laughs> eating its own arsehole. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's the snake that's in a circle and oh, the okay. snake's head is eating its tail. Right. The uh, tattoo that Andy has. Okay. And also a uh, um, Red Dwarf episode where he was born in a cardboard box that said Ah, Rob or Ross and they couldn't decide what name he was. And later on they found out it was actually a reference to Ouroboros and it was because he was his own dad. He was his own dad, yeah. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Number one, Deadpool made $782 million. Did Deadpool 2 make $100 million less with $685 million, $3 million more with $785 million, or $100 million more with $885 million? I think it made slightly less. Well, your three options are $100 million less, $3 million more, or $100 million more. Yeah, so when I said it probably made slightly less, then that's only one of those three options. Slightly. $100 million. If $100 million, yeah, just have it lying around. Yeah, I mean, in in terms of Hollywood, that's chump change, isn't it? As we've learned. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to say it made $100 million more because everybody's stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have a feeling that it made less as well so I'm going to go 100 million less in fact it made 3 million more with 785 million yeah but inflation though (laughs) (laughs) so the next pair are 1978's Greece and Greece (laughs) 2 I think we know where this is going which starred Michelle Pfeiffer She she was really hot in that film how old was she in that film? Don't know. Don't don't make me out to be something. I think we need to Google to decide whether we're leaving that in or not. But also, how old were you? I mean, yeah, exactly. That's, that's, I was that's four. Yeah. There we go. That's fine. 
Okay, so we all pretty much know it did terribly. The original Grease made $400 million. Did Grease 2 make 15 million, 25 million, or 35 million? I'm going to go for 15 million because everyone's stupid. So it should have done better, is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's it's bad, but it's not as bad as people say. It's got that reproduction song in it where they all start dancing on the desks. That's a great song. Reproduction, reproduction. That's how the flowers grow. Keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Just make up the rest. I'm sure we won't notice. Uh, Notice all of those figures are less than 10% of the original. Mm. 15 I think some people have a lot of fondness for Greece too. I'm going to go 35. You are very kind. It got 15 million. (laughs) (laughs) And for the third one, Spider-Man Homecoming took $880 million in 2017. Spider-Man Far From Home soared to $1.13 billion in 2019, following on for the massive smash Endgame. Did Spider-Man No Way Home make $1.5 billion 1.7 1.7 billion or 1.9 billion? I know it did extraordinarily well, and I think it might even be in the top five box office now. Certainly top 10. I think 1.9 because I think there were, it was pushing 2 billion but didn't quite get there. So remind us of the choices. The choices are 1.5 billion, 1.7 billion, or 1.9 billion. I think it's getting up there towards Infinity War and Endgame. I'm going to go 1.9. Ian? I'm going to go 1.9 because everyone's stupid. (laughs) (laughs) They are stupid. It is 1.9 billion. That's impressive. Why am I in such a grump? What's wrong? What's going on? <laughs> this is terrible. I love things. I love Marvel. I love... No, I don't love DC, <laughs> but like, I love stuff. Are you just bad with evenings? Is that what it is? Because we're recording in the evening this time. It, it might be. I need a snooze. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so did you enjoy any of the Tom Holland Spider-Man films? Yeah, I thought yeah. the first two were really good. And I'm kind of surprised they fell into the trap of making it so big, whereas the success had been to kind of concentrate on more personal kind of teen yeah. Spider-Man stories. And they had a real arc to them. They both had smart villains and did things like slightly differently. Mm. No Way Home is all over the place. Like all over the place. It falls into the multi-villain trap. It plays on, you know, like mm-hmm. so much knowledge you need of other films. Why you care about stuff is entirely dependent on not only other films, films that are, you know, a de- over a decade old in some places. It's mm, two decades I just thought old it was almost, really yeah. weird and tonally all over the place. As I say, I love the idea. Of, I love seeing it, actually. These are like three Spider-Men who are super cool, like goofing about with each other. Not a scene after he's died, though. It, you know mm, what I mean? Mm. Like, you should be upset about that. All of you. He did go and be miserable on a roof for a little while. He went for like five minutes and then yeah. they're in a lab mucking about with science and going isn't everything great and then you get like Della Soul at the end it's a complete tonal shift it's weird it's yeah. a weird film if you're feeling like this may I advise not going to see Thor Love and Thunder <laughs> it, it, okay it, probably good it rules takes, anyway takes that sort of attitude it's like oh someone you've known for decades is dying oh well let's joke about it <sighs> shall I bring us home yeah, yes please do 
Okay, now this doesn't happen often, but I have fallen in love with a TV show that isn't The West Wing. So it's 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 been one of those experiences where you start slow, you know, you're not sure, you let yourself fall for it, uh, and by the end you are totally head over heels in love. And then it ends, and you're alone, and you wonder how to live your life without it. The series I am talking about is Shit's Creek. So for anyone who doesn't know this, this is a six-series sitcom created by father and son team Eugene and Dan Levy. They founded their own production company, Not A Real Company Productions, and Eugene Levy plays Johnny, his son Dan Levy plays David, and his daughter Sarah Levy plays Twyla. It is about an uber... So no nepotism then. <laughs> no. <laughs> they're Eugene all, they're Levy is the, the dad from American Pie. That's correct, yes. yes. It's about an uber-rich family who suddenly lose all of their money and are forced to move to a small town in America and live in a motel. So I have uh, three facts about shit. You don't need to have watched the show. Do I need a puddle? (laughs) Uh, Okay, number one. The iconic mother, Moira Rose, is played by Catherine O'Hara. Do you know the name? Yeah. Catherine O'Hara. She's in a lot. Home Alone. Yeah, and... Mm. Famous improv comedian. Yeah. yeah. The character of Moira has a huge collection of wigs, many of which she does actually wear during the series. And in interviews, Catherine O'Hara has stated that her character wore 50 wigs during the course of the series. How many episodes is this? There's about 80. So that's so it's a that's, good, good rate. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> that's one wig per one and a half episodes. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's quite a high wig rate. <laughs> This is number two. The idea for the show came from uh, Dan Levy, who uh, he wrote the show, he played a major role in it, and he executive produced it. He was watching an episode of the Kardashians and watching them with all of their wealth and expensive belongings. He wondered how they would cope if they lost it all. Would the Kardashians still be the Kardashians without all of their money? Number three. One of the lines that people remember from Schitt's Creek is the way Alexis, who plays a sister, says, Ew, David. <laughs> it's a homage to how she says it. Um, now, people in 29 provinces, territories, and states in North America have some kind of Ew, David personalized license plate. There is even a live map capturing all the details on the new registrations with Ew, David on there. How do you spell that? Well, I, th- I think people play around with the letters and numbers, but um, E-W-D-A-V-I-D. Ew, David. <laughs> You're taking your headphones off. <laughs> I think she's repeating it, so we'll eventually believe it. Yeah. It comes with hand man- mannerisms. Let's see the hand mannerisms. Ew, David. <laughs> You're not selling me on the show. I bought it, was it dancing about Queen I cannot be more out. <laughs> Oh, it's heartwarming and lovely and just... Yeah, oh. <laughs> It's great. It's a really good show. It's really, really mm-hmm. nice. It's really what I, funny. It's what well. I went off to onto after Parks and Rec in my mm-hmm. kind of, mm-hmm. you know, lockdown depression binge. That's where we went. It was mm-hmm. great. It's, it's interesting that after the Kardashians being a major feature in pop culture for the last 20 years, mm-hmm. for about 10 seconds, I thought you were talking about the Star Trek aliens. <laughs> that's still where my where my brain goes. I still to, quite often say the wrong thing. Yeah, and call it, them the Kardashians. That'd be a great show, wouldn't that? So, is it the wig rate? Is it the Kardashians' genesis, or is it the license plate? 
So the wig thing, mm-hmm. you say it's like 1.5 episodes per week, but I guess um, there might be a montage of her trying various different mm-hmm. wigs on. I think that's true. Yeah, the Cardassians, that kind of sounds like the sort of premise somebody could think of whilst watching that. It sounds a bit like um, a vested development in terms of its scenario. All from growth, to yeah. some extent. I, I like the story behind why they moved there, which is they bought it as a joke because yeah, of the name. Yeah, it was a, a town that the father Johnny bought for his son when he was 16. Like, Shit's Creek, that'd be hilarious. Like, you got like, shit shop and... <laughs> the title put me... I, apparently the title put a lot of people off watching it at first. Mm-hmm. I, I, I read some word, like, it had low ratings and it was on a fairly... A niche TV channel, wasn't it? It wasn't on like a big network. Yeah. And, and then Netflix picked it up and it went massive. Yeah, it only actually started to get massive maybe the fifth or sixth season. Mm-hmm. They got a huge amount of positivity from one of the main storylines, which is David, played by Dan Levy, um, meeting the love of his life, Patrick. And their relationship being a completely normal relationship, mm-hmm. no homophobia in the town whatsoever. And it, they wanted to show a relationship where it's not about strife, it's not about struggle, it's not about overcoming things. You have normal relationship problems and things like that, but you also see the love grow between them. Mm-hmm. Not, not I, you know, I won't give away too many spoilers, but uh, Simply the Best by Tina Turner. I have not stopped singing it. And people <laughs> who, know, who know the show and understand that relationship will know why. I, I think probably the license plate won. So he says 29 different states and mm-hmm. provinces. Mm-hmm. I can't think of 29 different variations of... Ew, David. Ah, but you can have this exact same number plate in two different areas because oh. they're allowed if they're different states. Oh, so different states can yeah. have the same number plate. Okay. Oh, that's that one bugger, isn't it? <laughs> I genuinely have no idea. Alexis is Dan's favourite character, so I'm hoping if he listens to this, he'll get a kick out of this. I'm going to go for that being the bluff still. Ew, David. I can't Ew, do it. David. It's like a T at the end. She almost has a little T at the David. end. David. Right, yeah. <laughs> Ew, David is what Dan says when watching a Cronenberg film. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what are you going to go with, Ian? I am going with the wigs. There are a lot of wigs. I don't doubt that. But like... You're, you're, you're a man of little hair. <laughs> I, 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 I used I, to have hair. Have you, then lockdown came and I went the full Picard. <laughs> have you ever no attempted... Go, there's no going back. Are you, are you tempted by a, a, a syrup? By, no, I used to have long hair. I was once like you, father. <laughs> I had long and luscious locks. But time passes. Things change. And you're going to have to face it one day. <laughs> so you mock now. Oh, oh, you, with your hubris and hair. You, you, you mock from there. But no, sir. No. <laughs> you no, will be bored. No day. wigs. <laughs> nah, no wig. No. <laughs> Never tempted. I mean, maybe. Ah. <laughs> uh, just to be different, I'm going for the Cardassians, even though it does sound... <laughs> I said Cardassians there. <laughs> I'm going to do that forever now. Um, even though I think it may well be the real reason. Okay. One of each. Mm-hmm. The Kardashians story is true. <sighs> yep. It, uh, yeah, it's all kind of based on like, I wonder what would happen if they lost all of their money? Like, would they still be who they are or... Would they learn to be different people? And I think the, the show is they still reta- retain a lot of who they are and their personalities. 
but um, they sort of regain what they lost, which is the family. The Eel David. Uh, yeah, people from 29 provinces. It's probably grown since I uh, looked this figure up. Um, but the, yeah, there is, a, there is a live map detailing all the new registrations with Eel David on it. People are odd. <laughs> there is a lot of wigs in this show. So I said there were 50. Catherine O'Hara says there were over 100 used in 80 episodes. So more than one an episode. Wow. Far more than I said. She should get a wiggle on. That didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very funny show and it's a very warm show. And I, I took to it. There was an actress I quite liked who played a secretary to start with. Does she stick around or does she not? She's um, an, or like a receptionist or there's something oh, like that Stevie. in the hotel. Stevie Bird is the main right. character throughout. Okay, mm-hmm. good. Yeah. yeah. I've Brilliant. seen her be in uh, a movie and she was great in that other movie. So that was the reason I started watching Shit's Creek. Stick with it. I, it's the sort of thing Judith wouldn't watch. <laughs> so I knew it's well, okay, if I'm going to watch this, I can do it on my own for like six seasons. I started watching it two weeks ago, mm-hmm. and I finished it the other day. That's impressive, six seasons in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Oh, no wonder you miss it. Well, the, you know, greatest TV show of all time, MasterChef Australia. <laughs> goes out I mean, daily. There's a lot of episodes of that. Goes out daily. New series right now being broadcast in the UK. Oh, although we do have a friend who's now Neighbours has ended, is intent on watching Neighbours from the beginning. Wow. What? And that is an awful long time. Um, there was a quiz last night. When when did they say Neighbours started? 1985. Mm-hmm. At, what, five episodes a week? Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of time on your hands. <laughs> the scriptwriter who taught me had worked in a lot of soaps. So I, I studied filmmaking at university and um, a very good guy, Charlie Moritz. And he had worked on some British soaps, but some of his friends had worked on like all the soaps. And uh, we had a guest lecturer by an Australian woman who was in the UK working on like Heartbeat and things like that, but she'd done all the Australian soaps. And one day she worked out, she'd written, I think it was 200 episodes of soaps. And he asked, oh, so what did you do to celebrate? She goes, I just went to the beach and cried. <laughs> <laughs> it is the sausage factory version of script writing, isn't it? Yeah, I know certainly the BBC, if you want to get writing on the BBC, one of their entry things is Holby City and those kind of shows. Don't this soaps? Yeah. Like soaps, mm. are, soaps are clever storytelling. They kind of, mm. They're almost like weaponized storytelling. Yeah. They, they are the most effective, cheap method of producing stories that makes you want to turn back on again. It's, yeah. uh, it's impressive. With the soap, are you given the outline for the episode and you just need to fill in all the words? Or is it... Pretty much. So, mm-hmm. brief technical dalliance here, but like, so how you write a soap is, uh, a soap is broken down into like many plot lines. There's like a big session where they break out down for like months and months and months mm-hmm. and they know when a plot's going to stop, when it's going to pick up. And they run like six at a time. For a week, for one that's on every day a week, they're running like six plots. Mm-hmm. And so once those beats are mapped out, they're divided into episodes, and the episodes are then passed to a bunch of writers who kind of write from formula. And on some soaps, this used to happen on Coronation Street, I'm not sure if it still does, you get writers swapping beats going, actually, I've got this, and it would lead really well into like the thing you've got for next episode, can I have it? And they swap mm-hmm. scenes around. But it's... Super quick, super mm-hmm. hard, you know, difficult writing, complex writing. If you if you wrote on a soap for any length of time, you will be amazing because mm-hmm. it's it's difficult, difficult so work. Are the writers all 
in constant touch are they writing together or are they in they're not writing together they're all writing separately mm-hmm. but the um kind of there is script control like the episodes are broken down by basically a different team who are then kind of like the script editors of that so i'm basing this on how it was done some years back i'm mm. assuming it's still the same yeah. because soaps have been around for a long long time and the formula has been you know worked on forever I know a lot of writers starting on soaps, didn't they? A lot of big, big name writers. Well, it goes to a lot of writers. I mean, mm-hmm. so yeah. like if you, you know, if you want, mm-hmm. if you want regular work in TV and you can write soaps, you're you're quitting. Might might try that. Might send in my script for EastEnders. Your body horror EastEnders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Phil and Grant Mitchell swap faces and nobody notices. <laughs> Right, shall we end with a quiz? Oh, please, please. Okay. Now, if Richard Osman's lawyers are listening, we are big fans of House of Games on the here. Uh, and so we're not ripping off... Theft is the most sincere fandom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're not ripping off the format. We're paying a homage to it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a synopsis. The synopsis will remind you of a film that already exists, but because I've altered the synopsis slightly changed a couple of details it will lead you to change the film's title by one letter so i'm going to give you an example a cyborg assassin is sent back in time to give someone that's the movie i was knew you were going to do a curly hairstyle popular in the 1980s the perminator correct (laughs) all right so one letter all right so um i'm gonna ask you these in turn so you can go take us through your thinking Uh, if you can't get it I will um, send it to the buzzer um, so you can buzz in but um, I I, I think you're going to get them all I've I've just had a flashback to being at infant school and my mum quid to pick me up with a new perm and be screaming and running out of the room crying because her (laughs) new haircut was that terrifying (laughs) did you think you'd been picked up by Leo Sayer I think so yeah (laughs) (laughs) All right, Ian one for you Reporters try to discover the meaning behind the final words of a recently deceased publishing tycoon and Batman villain played by Tom Hardy. Citizen Bane. Correct. Well done. Peter. A band of plucky rebels led by a princess fight to destroy the ultimate superweapon wielded by an affordable high street supermarket chain. (laughs) <laughs> Star Wars Correct Well done <laughs> I don't think I need to keep scoring I think you're going to get these John A mega rich industrialist from Tehran Builds a suit of armour That makes him a superhero mm. <laughs> oh, Okay From Tehran mm-hmm. <laughs> Iron Marge <laughs> I don't, don't know. I also buzz, but I don't think I'll it. <laughs> Peter. Iran man. Oh, Correct. Of course. How does it feel now, hairy boy? <laughs> <laughs> Ian. Yes. A girl from Kansas is transported to a mag- magical technical land, but must seek help from a scaly reptile. The Lizard of Oz. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Peter. Early 20th century oil prospector Daniel Plainview clashes with Eli, the local preacher, and subsequently bleaches his hair. Uh, 
actually, I don't get the film. Mm. I know, I get the film, yeah, but I don't get the buzz. Pete, do you want to give this? Oh, one up? Are, you, are you going for the? Um, there's a a different spelling of the word. Two different, yes, yes, I yeah. That's the rules of the game, Jan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but there's two ways of spelling yeah. the the mm. word that it's been changed to. This conversation makes no sense to me. Yeah. All right, Ian, what is it? There will be blonde. Correct. I haven't seen it. It's very good. All right, Ian to Peter to John is yet to score. This is your question. How's Peter? Oh, you buzzed. Mm-hmm. Should I be half a point? <laughs> he got me, you know, he had thinking time. <laughs> a billionaire defends his city from a chaotic terrorist clown while dressed as a small songbird. The Lark Knight. Correct. <laughs> Ian. A film crew travel to a mysterious island where they plan to capture a gigantic penis for exhibition <laughs> in New York City. Mm. What a horrifying image you've just put in my mind. <laughs> uh, King Dong. Yes. <laughs> a genuine porn star, I believe. Is that right, John? Why are you looking at me? Because <laughs> you're bound to know. That, just that assumption. Don't that... pretend you don't know. Yes, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> Peter, the story of Simba, hmm. a young man with a fetish for dressing up as a big cat. What are you thinking? Um, well, I'm thinking the Lion King. Mm-hmm. Um... Need one letter. Fetish for dressing up as a, a big cat. Birds. All right, John, I'm going to hand it over. Is it the Lion Kink? It is. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> John. Cocky students at the US Navy's elite com- convent compete to become the most pious and most religious sister. Top nun. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we've got Ian on three, John on three, and Peter on two. Ian, a murdered police officer is rebuilt as a cyborg in order to attend an award ceremony celebrating the music of Black Origin. (laughs) Uh, I'm going with Mobocop. Correct. Uh, Peter, Daniel Craig's super spy just wants to eat his delicious baked pastry dish but can't find a window in his schedule. Well, it can't be live and let pie. <laughs> Samuel Craig, isn't it? John. No time to pie. No time to pie. <laughs> you are so there. Yeah, no <laughs> Wrong bond. Could have been pie another day. <laughs> uh, John. A young woman is forced to live in an enchanted castle in the company of a prince cursed to look like a fungus used for fermentation and baking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's the name of my sex tape mm-hmm. uh, Beauty and the Yeast Beauty and the Yeast <laughs> Correct Which one are you? Can I not be both? <laughs> uh, and with that John has actually clinched it with oh, Five yeah. points Came from behind mm. <laughs> Not for the first time Unless I've written down the scores incorrectly Which is highly possible I think we'll let him have it <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed that very much. Yeah, Would you like, an, uh, like a bonus one? Oh, yes, please. Okay. Go for it. So you get Ten you points. Buzz in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever wins this wins the whole one. <laughs> okay. 
a small group of scientists are invited to an island to experience a wondrous new theme park featuring the remarkable reappearance of prehistoric pigs. Buzz. John. Jurassic Park. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> well done. A worthy winner. Mm. <laughs> 15 points. Woohoo! And that is all for this episode of Nerdfest. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. In the meantime, check us out on social media. We're at Nerdfest UK on Twitter and Facebook. And if you have the time and inclination and you want to win one of John's personalised rewards, you can leave us a review. John, what is this week's reward for our listeners? I'm going to get you premiere tickets to the next Godzilla Monsterverse film. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to let you sit, not watching the film, but looking at Ian's face as joy returns. <laughs> <laughs> All it takes is an atomic god monster trashing a coastal city to make me happy. (laughs) And then two previous Godzillas from the franchise reappear. (laughs) Until next time, you've been listening to... A man who likes things really. I really do. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) A man who is holding out for the sequel. A man who hopes Peter can fix him in (laughs) (laughs) post-production. And a woman who's about to break out into another rendition of Simply the Best. You shouldn't be the film. Better than the rest. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Well, that was great. <laughs> That's a wrap, everyone. And thank you for tuning in to Nerdfest. We wish you all a very pleasant evening. Pleasant dreams. Good night, you sexy bitches. Close your eyes. Sleep. I'm in your ear. (laughs) I'm scared. I'm still here. How often have you practiced that? <laughs> That's what I said to Louise every night. <laughs> the answer is always not enough. <laughs> That's why they don't go to sleep till three in the morning. <laughs> She's terrified. Yeah, I'm still here. <laughs> I know you told me to leave five years ago, but I'm still here. <laughs> leave a long silence between these <laughs> why is this podcast three hours long <laughs> it's two hours 55 it's a silence they just oh no I haven't gone anywhere I've been here this whole time this new series of Sandman is shit <laughs> God, it's like waiting for the end of a Marvel movie. (laughs) (laughs) I have a gun.